census taker once tried to test me. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. Episode 288 of the Throwdown Thursday Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. We are here in the Pat Cave of Magenta Manor, broadcasting uh, in front of no audience because it's just us. Well, the cat. Well, the cat's, the cat's here. here. She counts. Yeah, she uh, she's sitting on the chair where Ashes sits and is taking up most of it, and Ashes had the audacity to sit at the edge of the chair, and the cat yelled at her. So that's uh, how we started things off tonight. But as you know, we are part of the Dorkening Network, and as such, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee and Silk City Hot Sauce. Stay tuned for ads for both of those, and find out how you can get discounts and free hot sauce. But as I mentioned, I am not here by myself. I am here with my co-host on the show, and my co-host in life, she is... The Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Cabernet, the Mistress of Merlot, the... You're messing me up. The Queen Regent of Rosé, the Princess of Prosecco, and uh, she is also the Real Housewife of Transylvania, the Michael Phelps of Wine, the Queen of the Monsters, and an Honorary Lizzie, ladies and gentlemen, the aforementioned Ashes Von Nightmare. I got more legs than a bucket of chicken. Like, (laughs) how many legs does a bucket of chicken, because if it's like one, then yes. If it's more than one, you're at least tied. I'm just quoting a line from no, a I character know. that we're talking about today. I know. It's Way just, to ruin it. It's just, it didn't Thank make, you. It didn't Thank make you. sense at the time, like, and it didn't make they, sense it, now. It doesn't have to make sense, but it makes perfect like, sense. Like, I, I know what that character was talking about, but, like, I don't. I didn't. It's like saying I got more moves than X-Lax. No, because that makes sense, because X-Lax causes bowel movements. Like, that makes more sense. Saying I have more legs than a bucket of chicken, like, you're probably a cephalopod. Or a centipede. Maybe I am. A millipede. You don't know me. That reminds me, the uh, Ryan George put out a new video the other day about naming bugs. I like his, like, naming things videos. It's really great. Um, Pardon me. That was, I had too much coffee. And that's why I coughed. Because it coughed. Because I was a coffee get it anyway so we're moving on mm-hmm. uh i hope everyone had a uh, a good week and we're going to be discussing some awesome characters from a movie that from what i can understand uh is universally loved and that's not something i see very very often but uh before we do that ashes i know you have some uh 
some stuff for our yet unnamed character segment. Characters in the news. Yeah, Working title. Yeah, it's uh, Yeah, yet. so, you know, we haven't been uh, around for a couple of weeks, so a lot has happened. The 2022 Academy Awards nominations were announced last week. The Power of the Dog led with 12 nominations. Denzel Washington became the most nominated black actor in history after being nominated for Best Actor for his performance in the tragedy of Macbeth. Also, some huge uh, Oscar snubs this year. One in particular being Lady Gaga for her performance as Patrizia Reggiani in House of Gucci. Um, you know, huge snub because she was nominated for all of these other awards too. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what, what happens. Uh, before you um, move on from the Oscar stuff, I want to say that three films that were uh, shot in Massachusetts are up for awards. Uh, Don't Look Up, Mm -hmm. Coda, and uh, Free Guy. And I have friends whom I have worked with and are currently working with who have worked on all three films. So hell yeah for the, the Massachusetts film industry. That's fucking great. I have friends who have worked on Academy Award nominated films, hopefully Academy Award winning films. So that's super rad. That is that is great. It is great. Like that's the that's local filmmaking. Like you don't have to go to Georgia or California or New York. You can film right here in Massachusetts. You get Ryan Reynolds, you get Leo DiCaprio, Meryl Streep. Like it's awesome. And Coda, the uh, the the actor from Coda, whose name is completely slipping my mind right now, is the first deaf actor to be nominated for an Oscar. That's incorrect. Who am I, what am I? Who am I thinking? Well, because Marley Matlin, I believe, won an Oscar. Was it for a leading role? Maybe it's for a leading I'm role. I'm unsure, uh, but it, it, I believe it's definitely not first deaf actor because I'm pretty sure Marley Matlin, Marley Matlin, that is her name, uh, won an Academy Award. Uh, hold on, I'm looking that up right now. She, well, she was also in CODA. Oh, how about that? Troy Kotzer. Maybe that's... Um, yeah, she won an Oscar. Maybe it's because uh, so he's Best actress birth? in a leading role. So maybe it is uh, the first nominee for best actor. That's entirely possible, too. I'm just trying to, because uh, I saw something about that. Um, she won in 1986 for Children of a Lesser God. Was that, uh, what you call it? Is that... Um, uh, leading role, best or is... actress in a leading role. Okay, all right. So I didn't. I, I saw this the other day, and that it seemed wrong to me. But uh, from what I understand, he is the only deaf actor in na- uh, And it's in this. Maybe it's because his is uh, for supporting. So hers was leading. Maybe his. He was the first in a supporting role, or maybe he's the first deaf uh, man. But. Uh, I just thought that was a cool piece of trivia that I completely butchered, but yeah. So 
Anyways, after much speculation, Dakota Johnson has been confirmed that she is uh, has been cast as Madam Web in an upcoming Sony Pictures project. Yeah, yeah. Um, Spider Woman. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's what Madam Web is. Uh, she's part of like the Spider Verse. Like it's a it's a long, complicated thing, and she needs her own episode. But uh, yeah, that's that's a project that I believe is also filming in Massachusetts, the upcoming Spider Woman film, which I believe is being directed by Olivia Wilde. Oh, really? Yes, because uh, I was looking at some rumor pages, uh, and that was the last one that I saw was that it was uh, she was rumored, but there was also like a thousand different people who were rumored to play uh, Spider Woman, including Daisy Ridley, which I think would be interesting. But uh, yeah, go go ahead. You and I actually talked about that movie uh, earlier today. Mm-hmm. The new trailer for Lightyear, the Buzz Lightyear film by Disney and Pixar, featuring the voice of Chris Evans as Buzz Lightyear, dropped last Tuesday. In the action-packed trailer, Buzz fights a massive robot and other foes when he and his colleagues get marooned on a planet. Viewers are also introduced to his adorable and hilarious robot cat named Socks. The film is set to debut this June. And speaking of trailers, we got to see some fantastic trailers during the Super Bowl this past weekend. Oh, good gravy. Including the Multiverse of Madness, a more kind of... uh, thorough intensive trailer that gives you a little bit more information as to i mean here's the well, thing combined with that the, you, the tv I, spot with the youtube spot because there was some stuff that wasn't in each oh really yes um like zombie wanda yeah so uh i mean i i didn't need to see a trailer for me to be like i want to see that especially with the way that they have been setting things up thus far in the cinematic universe and with the television series and stuff but uh but yeah, that looks amazing, and I cannot wait to see it. Um, we also saw a different trailer than what was released for the Moon Knight series coming out soon. Yep, nude Moon Knight. Oh, and that looks awesome. We saw a trailer for the new Jurassic Park film coming out this summer. Yeah, you were you were in the other room, and I was like, "Hey, dinosaurs!" And you like came running in. I like dinosaurs. Yeah, uh, but I know. I, that's I, why I yelled, hey, dinosaurs. So apparently this trailer dropped prior to the Super Bowl. Apparently it happened a couple of days before. Um, I hadn't seen it yet, so that was my first viewing of the trailer. It's really nice to see the original you know, three characters come back. And uh, I think that's going to make this film a lot more interesting than the previous one. Yeah. I mean, granted, you know, we did. The last get, one uh, was the well, worst was one say, in the like, entire series. We did series. get Dr. Malcolm briefly. Yeah, 30 seconds sorta, of him. Kind of, you know what I mean? And that was their whole thing with the last one. It's like, oh, he's back. He's back. Jeff Goldblum's in this. And, and like, he was in it for uh, like a hot minute. Now, granted, it's Jeff Goldblum. So it was a very hot I was minute. Say it was literally a hot but, minute. Uh, but yeah, it, uh, it, it just, it just, it was, it was. It was okay. I'm it was a forward, movie that I watched. I'm looking forward to that Moon Knight show. Like I like Oscar Isaac to begin with, 
So we also saw the trailer for um, Ryan Reynolds' new project coming out, Project uh, Adam. Project Adam, which looks really yeah, interesting. Yeah, because I well, that's only a partial trailer. Like, there's so much more to it. Was, it. Yeah, it was a teaser trailer. We also saw another teaser trailer for something too. Well, it was and why a, am I it blanking? It was a Netflix thing. It was Netflix, just like, hey, this is what we have coming up, and. Project Adam was actually something I had seen earlier in the day, and I was like, oh, that's so great. Oh, we also got the teaser trailer for uh, Jordan Peele's new project. Nope. nope. Yep. I will. Yep. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yep to nope. Yep, yep to nope. Yep. yep. And big news coming out of the nerddom over the past week. Uh, Hulu announced that it is reviving Futurama for 20 episodes. I'm super pumped. Uh, we're still not sure if John DiMaggio is coming back. Uh, it's yeah, meaning so, that he's not. Well, apparently it has to do with paychecks, and right now John DiMaggio is telling Hulu to bite his shiny metal ass. Yeah, like, at the, and the cat just agreed. Um, at this point, you know, he put out a statement saying... Uh, you know, it's not just about him getting more money. It's about everybody getting more well, money. Because they were like, oh, well, is he such a diva? Does he want to be paid more than everybody else? Like, what, what, is, what is going on here? And, and that's when he issued that statement that it's not just him. He's not holding out more money for just himself. He wants more money for his colleagues, too. He doesn't think that he needs to be the highest paid person. No, and he, he doesn't want to be, be the highest paid person. Well, but he wants more money for both, you know, himself to attach himself to the project uh, before his his potential colleagues as well. Well, I mean, I, based on what I've gathered from some of the social media posts, it's like, oh, we should all be paid more. Like, I don't think he cares if Billy West makes more money than he already has, uh, but he thinks they should all make more money, but starting with him, he should make more. And like you said, not that he should make more than Billy West, because Billy West does about 60 voices, and they're all very, very different. John DiMaggio does a, a lot of voices, and they're very similar. Um, he has a very distinctive voice, and you can tell who is who. But although after a while, you can tell who is who no matter what. Like, if I'm listening to an actor, like a voice actor, it's like, all right, that's Phil Lamar. That's Maurice LaMarche. That's John DiMaggio. That's Dan Castellaneta. Like, after a while, especially after 30 years of listening to these guys speak and do different characters, you know who they are. But it's, you know, his his range isn't as good as, say, you know, again, Billy West or a Hank Azaria or Harry Shearer. Yeah, he's definitely similar to like a John Julie Kavner. Yes. Because she does a bunch of different characters, but they all sound the same, which makes sense because they're all related. But and like that's her normal speaking voice to begin with. Uh, Yardley Smith, same thing. Um, but even Nancy Cartwright does a ton of different voices. Um, you know, again, Maurice Lamarche can do a bunch of different things. Like Hedonism Bot does not sound like uh, Calculon does not sound like you know. So there's um. There's some thought being put into recasting this role. Because you have to have the character of Bender. You can't not have Bender. 
you know, and there's also um, I, some fans are kind of up in arms in the fact that they're bringing this back because of the way that it ended. Now, I believe we've had this conversation on this very show about the ending of Futurama and how it was such a perfect ending because it really closed that chapter, but yet was ambiguous enough to leave it open for something else to happen. Okay, so on that note, um, I was I'm part of a lot of different groups, including you know uh, a Futurama group, and one of the Futurama groups I was in had a whole thing about you know the cancellation and the rebirth and all that. Um, they've had uh four season finales. Uh, because or ser- series finales, not season series finales. The first one was the holophoner episode, where fry- the devil's hands are idle playthings. Uh, then into the wild green yonder, season six, where they go into the uh, black hole at the end of the golf course. They also had the one where Bender can see the future. Uh, and then the last one, the most recent one for season 10. So they've already had four perfect endings. I'm not worried about them doing it again. I'm not worried that they're that like, oh, no, maybe we might mess this up. But I think this means we need to have a, a bunch of uh, Futurama episodes coming up this year because we've only covered bender and zap brannigan we covered fry are you sure we covered fry i'm trying to remember what the name of that one was i don't know i'm sure we i I know yeah but we haven't covered leela we haven't covered the professor i mean why not zoidberg even though they never said that on the show you know nibbler so there's a there's a lot of uh there's a lot of things there's somebody actually posted up the uh the timeline of uh, Futurama and like when it was canceled and like how it came back and um, but it was I don't I don't have that one just the uh, the fact that they've already had four perfect series finales because they've been canceled and revived so many times um, so what else you got that's it that's all I got that's it for this week okay yeah, I mean that's. I mean, I mean it's a lot. It is a lot, you know, between the Super Bowl trailers and, well, we also have the Batman coming out in a couple of weeks, uh, March fourth. Um, so we've got that to look forward to. Yeah, there's a there's a lot of stuff coming to 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 the movie theaters and to streaming and all that. So, but yeah, um, you have a. Uh, getting into character question for us this evening i always have a getting into character question for us so today we're talking about the characters from the film to wong fu thanks for everything julie newmar and it kind of got me thinking a little bit about the films that made us i know that's a 
TV shows or whatever, but 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 just just go with me here. The films that made us, the films that really had an impact on your personality during your formative years, and kind of helped you become, help help helped mold you, helped you become the person that you are today. Now I'm not talking about your favorite film. I mean, maybe it is your favorite film. Um, you know, maybe it's a film that you saw that sparked um, an interest in something. Maybe it was a film of a certain genre that's you know sparked your love of that genre maybe it's a horror film and all of a sudden you know you you realize you love horror uh maybe it's you know something batman related and and now you collect fight crime yeah now you fight crime and like i know eyeliner. people who have been you know like oh i saw star wars and then i wanted to make movies right you know so something like that something that kind of sparked something in you that you still carry around with you today so our getting into character question for today is what three films helped make you who you are today zombies trying to zombies in... trying to kick me out of the chair right well, now she's she trying to put it share. she said she said milo and otis she said the incredible journey and my the big fat greek salad Oh. What? My Big Fat Greek Salad. I don't know if she's ever seen My Big Fat Greek Wedding. She might, she'd probably watch it with you. I mean, probably. Either but... that or Mamma Mia. She said that's an honorable mention. Uh, so for me, uh, it's fairly easy. Uh, we talked about this the other night because this is you know one of the things we talk about is like, what are we going to do for the, getting into character this week? So for me, uh, Silence of the Lambs uh, kind of got me into wanting to I ended up, I was a really creepy like 18 to 25 year old like more than usual like and you still go, are. Well, no like I was thinking about this earlier today because I was thinking about this question and it's like it's like oh um uh, like I would tell people it's like oh yeah so I saw you getting in your car last night and I know what your license plate is oh oh so when we first started dating I was doing shit you like were that. doing like that shit like that and like oh I saw someone I went to high school with and I haven't seen them since high school and you know like blah, blah. I'm like okay first of all uh, there's a way to go about this and you're going about this all the wrong way because I like, thought I was so being impressive with no, my memory being recall. creepy that's, and stalkerish but like that's not it's like i was noticing and observing and paying attention to everything and it's like oh yeah i know this about you like i was trying to use this to be like hey i pay attention to things and understand you know right like, but stuff. to somebody who either doesn't know you well or you know just like a passerby or what have you like it's not going to come up as as like oh right, but I'm I didn't really understand that, that you noticed that. It's but like, I didn't wow, understand that you're at the a time. fucking creep, right? But this explains a lot about my uh, like lack of interpersonal relationships for quite some time, and I understand why. You know, as I've grown older, it's like wow, that's a weird fucking thing to do, but. Watching how Hannibal interacted and reading the books and stuff, you know, getting to know who he is. It's like, oh, I want to be an intensely observant person and be able to, like, figure things out about people. And I still do that, but now I do what psychologists call... I want to be a cannibal. I do what psychologists call unobtrusive observation. Like, when people aren't aware that you're observing them and, you know, figuring things out then. 
Um, the next would be the Monster Squad because I love uh, horror films, but I also love fun, campy horror films. Uh, and the the Monster Squad was that. It was the Little Rascals meets the Universal Monsters. Like, it's fun. It's funny. It's scary. It's gory. Uh, it's got everything that you would want, you know, and, you know, I see that in like the, the, like the seeds of that, that were planted. I see that in something like Tucker and Dale versus evil or stranger things, or, you know, any of these, these types of movies that have come out since then, um, you know, it, it kind of led me down this path of horror and comedy. You know, Shaun of the dead is another one, like, those movies owe their existence to the monster squad and finally jaws i mean you had to know that one was coming uh jaws has sparked my lifelong uh interest in marine life in the sea in the deepest darkest parts of the ocean and obviously my love of sharks wait you like sharks i i have a passing interest in them um you know more of a uh, more of a hobby uh than a than a an actual like obsession yes uh there was a time where i wanted to be a, a marine biologist because i think the ocean is just so fascinating and you know i love whales i love sharks uh sharks obviously more but um yeah it was just those three movies, like, I was never like, oh, my God, I can't go in the water. Like, that never scared me. I didn't care about that. I wasn't one of those people that was like, oh, a shark's going to eat me when I'm in the bath or when I'm, you know, in the toilet or something. Well, not in the toilet, on the toilet, most likely. In the toilet would be a problem. <laughs> oh, toilet sharks. But, uh, yeah, so, Ashes, how about you? So... My first film is the one that we're talking about today, Tu Wong Fu. I love this film so much. I grew up with this film. It's a, a, a movie that I watched with my mom uh, several times. And it's something that's really stuck with me. Not only the fabulousness of it, but the overall story. And we're going to get into that in our discussion. But, you know, what it, what it means, you know, accepting people for who they are. Being your true, authentic self, regardless of what other people think think of you and finding your inner joy uh it's it's so important and especially you know I, I loved it as a kid but it's something those lessons mean more to me as an adult especially you know as a, a, a grown-up in the workforce as somebody who works an obscene amount of hours sometimes you know as somebody who has all of these responsibilities sometimes it's easy to forget who you are it's easy to forget what brings you joy and to always seek, you know, seek, seek out those, those moments, those little things that make you happy. You know, whether it's putting on a hat and having a say something hat day, you know, or, 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 you know, putting, uh, zhuzhing up your room a little bit, you know, it's, it's whatever you need to do to kind of make something your own and put your stamp on it. Uh, another film that had a huge impact on me was a little film called Death Becomes Her. It really ignited my love for super campy, glamorous horror. Um, it's 
funny. It's bizarre. It's really just out there. And it's really dark humored. And it, it really uh, kind of helped shape the kind of person that I am today. This, you know, the the the, the, the dark humor, the uh, both Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn are very dark sided bosom buddies, if you will. Um, you know, and there's nothing wrong with being a little fake, you know, uh, it's important to be your true authentic self yes but sometimes your true authentic self is you know doing what you need to do to preserve yourself and that's fine too um and i just really love that film again there's a glamour to it that's just so it's pretty it's really pretty and you know in the end these two old broads end up together and uh it's just it's it just it makes my heart really happy whenever I watch this film and it brings me to a certain place where I really just I, I really like to be and uh, my third film so I had to think really long and hard because there's there's some and I kind of wanted to talk about a film that I don't know if I've mentioned on this show before I was gonna say the Rocky Horror Picture Show and well duh uh, but you know that is that is something that we've we've spoke about like ad nauseum uh, and we will probably talk about again. So I decided for my third pick to go with <gasps> Spice World. I thought you were going to go with uh, Sherry Bobbins. Nope. Nope. I didn't go with Mary Poppins for the same reason I didn't go with Rocky Horror. Um, Spice World. So in uh, early middle school, like fifth sixth grade uh definitely seventh and eighth uh i was obsessed obsessed with the spice girls and uh watching spice world was just amazing watching these you know really uh and regardless of what you think of them as you know a uh, 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 entertainers or whatever uh the fact that they were able to put out this film where they play parodies of themselves and really just laugh at themselves is fantastic. And that's what it taught me. It taught me that it's okay to kind of create a caricature of yourself and it's okay to laugh at yourself and it's okay to have fun and it's okay, you know, to just be, you know, be who you are. Also, it taught the value of not only just friendships, but female friendships and how, you know, female friendships really prevail over any type of other relationships that you may have. And it's really important. Also taught me to stand up for myself, not take any shit from anyone and taught me the power of girl power of being a woman of, you know, not letting anybody stand in my way or talk down to me. And that's definitely something that I carry with me still, you know, um, taught me what the, uh, taught me about an idea of feminism i really had no idea what it was and they were really standing up for you know equality and justice and they were really brash and outspoken about it and i i loved it and you know obviously the film is fun but there are you know undertones of a lot of different things and yeah i think that's it yeah i i, I think you nailed it with every one of those things like that suits you or fits you exactly as to who you are now like you don't take shit you do stand up for yourself you know 
the the Spice Girls, well, yes, being a pop group, like watching that film and like seeing how they do their their uh, their whole story arc, like they embody all the different aspects that you're talking about. Like each one of them represents a different thing. You know, it's kind of like the the kids in the uh, Captain Planet. Like they all have like they they're a different element, and each one of them represents a different element of you. Heart, aww. Yeah. Tree, tree, tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, we want to know what some of your uh, films that, you know, made you who you are, are. And uh, so you can let us know either in the Facebook group as usual or throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Let us know. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to be discussing uh, Miss Vita Bohem, Bohem, Noxima Jackson, and Chichi Rodriguez of to Wang Fu, thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Greetings, Spice fans. Silk City Hot Sauce is now sponsoring the Dorkening Podcast Network. Our craft sauces are made in Vermont in small, high-quality batches using locally sourced, farm-grown ingredients. Silk City Hot Sauce comes in a variety of heat strengths and killer flavors like Jezebel, Erotic Fever, Mango Madness, and Good Morning Jonestown. And don't forget our newest creation, Hot Syrup. Make no mistake, Spice fans, this is the queen of sweet heat. There's new and unique flavors coming out all the time. Best of all, right now, listeners of the Dorkening Podcast Network can go to SilkCityHotSauce.com and use coupon code DORK. Not only will you get 20% off your order, we'll also throw in a free bottle of hot sauce. That's SilkCityHotSauce.com. Coupon code DORK. Wesley Snipes, he's been a killer and a commando. Patrick Swayze, he's been a heartthrob and a hero. But these tough guys are about to face the most physically challenging roles of their careers. Let's give it to him, girls. Meet Vita Boehm. Enchanté. Why are you crying? Maybe she just found out Menudo broke up. Miss Noxima Jackson. Jesse's daughter. And their protege, Chichi Rodriguez. I'm the Latino Marilyn Monroe. I got more legs than a bucket of chicken. They were headed for Hollywood. Think of it as Easy Rider in dresses. On a sacred mission. Must take this message from Miss Newmar with us across the land. Going on right here, a celebration. But along the way, they had an unexpected stop. You know what you career girls want? Careers? That is some sugar. Please, no. No! No! I can't believe this! Don't quote me, but I think this one is deceased. A dead white policeman? Now, they're stranded in a strange land. Well, ladies, welcome to Snydersville. And you thought the dust bowl was over? 
This is the presidential suite. Must have been one of those bad presidents. You got beat up by a girl. <laughs> and before they leave... Do you like my nails? They may turn this town from drab to utterly, utterly fabulous. Universal Pictures and Amblin Entertainment present... How do I look? Like the Miami sound machine just exploded all over you. Wesley Snipes. Look, I'm sorry about the way the Civil War turns out. Patrick Swayze. I gather you like hitting ladies. Some ladies need to get hit. And John Leguizamo. I gotta go. I got cramps. To Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Turn it out! And we are back. That, of course, was the trailer for To Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Well, the, the thanks for everything has an exclamation point. You're just... You're just... I'm, 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 emphasizing yes. the punctuation. I'm being emphatic. I am putting the emphasis on the proper syllables and uh, obviously that was the trailer because that's what we tend to do we play the trailer before we come in now if you are not familiar with uh this film how dare you uh we uh it's streaming free it's on free tubi on tubi with do yourself ads. a favor download the tubi app it is free Meaning no monies. No monies out of your pocket. And yes, you do have to sit through some ads. But There's it's only not like terrible. four or five ad it's, breaks. And they're like yeah, two minutes each. Yeah. You know, enough time to get up, refill your libations, grab yourself a snack, maybe mm-hmm. go to the bathroom. You know, it's 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 perfect. So yes, if you have not seen this film, do yourself a favor and watch it. Yes. And, and then thank me. And so if you're not familiar with it, uh, here is the plot synopsis. After jointly winning a local drag queen pageant in New York City, Noxima Jackson, played by Wesley Snipes, and Vita Boehm, played by Patrick Swayze, win the right and are given the round trip airfare to, complete, to compete in the Drag Queen of America pageant in Hollywood, California. Noxima sees herself as the next Dorothy Dandridge, who bucked the trend of most black American movie actresses of her time by never playing a slave house maid. Vita's style reflects her past of growing up in upper-class suburban Pennsylvania. One of their fellow New York City contestants, Chichi Rodriguez, played by John Leguizamo, is a straight-talking but naive and inexperienced drag queen. Seeing that Chi-Chi needs some drag queen confidence, despite her bravada, Vita and a reluctant Noxima decide to cash in their plane tickets and buy an older model Cadillac convertible and drive to Hollywood with Chi-Chi. Their drive takes them through much of the country where alternate lifestyles are less tolerated, tolerated than they may be in New York City or L.A. The three have an extended stay in a small town called Snydersville where their car breaks down. If they ever make it out of Snydersville, they may be the better for their stay by learning more about themselves while dealing with the issues of, of town residents and spending more time together. Their stay is made even more precarious when they find out that Sheriff Dollard, played by Chris Penn, a homophobic, racist, and sexist highway sheriff with whom they had an earlier encounter, is on their tail. So, Ashes. Yes. As we always do when we talk about this. When was the first time you saw this film? I 
cannot remember my actual first viewing of this film because I grew up with a mother who was, quote, crazy for Swayze. Swayze? Swayze, yes. Uh, my mom is a huge Patrick Swayze fan. Like, I grew up with his films constantly, you know, uh, around me. Um, I can quote Roadhouse. Dirty Dancing verbatim. I saw Roadhouse probably, you know, earlier than I, I should have seen Roadhouse. Um, and this film, ah. Oh, this film this film holds a special place in my heart for multiple reasons um and really uh facilitated my love for not only the art of drag but uh just glamour and fabulousness overall and the need to express oneself through how they dress and how they accessorize and Having this this air of confidence about you that's not necessarily cockiness, but just you being so sure of yourself. You know, you being you you knowing who you are as a person, you knowing what brings you joy, and you doing what you need to do in order to express that joy. Yeah. And you know, that's really what drag is all about. Like this is who I am, this is how I express myself. You know, there's so many different uh, types of drag and you know that's why I love watching the Boulay brothers because when they do their competition it's like we're not here to judge your drag because drag is subjective drag, drag is, is art, art and art, and is, art subjective. is subjective yes. we are not here to judge your drag we are here to judge how your drag pertains to the challenge yes and I love that I, I, I commented that on someone's post recently that my heart bursts whenever they say that because they just get it and, and that's what drag is drag is an art form is not always this pageantry that you see there are many different types of drag and it's it's fantastic i was gonna say fantastic and fabulous at the same time and almost said fantabulous so you know i'm gonna go with it it's fantabulous uh what's funny is there were a couple of actors who were either offered roles or auditioned but well, did not get the part but here's the thing we have to throw that question to you. When was your first viewing of this film? Um, I think with the last time I watched it with you, not like the most recent time, but the Are first time Are you talking about when our friend Kex rented out that amazing hotel room? Yes. That was the first time I saw it, September of so whatever year So there that was. is this place up in the White Mountains, New Hampshire, uh, called, yes, Adventure Suites. And each room, it's kind of like the Madonna Inn out in California. Each room has a theme to it. And each room can occupy X amount of people. And, you know, there are different, different things that pertain to each room. So this room was called the Aviation Room. And it was, you know, all like plane themed and stuff. It was really cool. And the reason why he got that specific room was because it was the largest room of like all of the rooms. Hours. And, you know, it could it could accommodate a lot of, you know, people. Uh, but it had an incredible theater set up. And so obviously, you know, we were like, hey, what movies are we going to watch? And he was like, you know, I'm like, hey, what about Tu Wong Fu? And of course, he of course, it. everyone went crazy. Like, yes, we have to watch this. So so we did. And Patrick got to watch like his first viewing was in this 
home theater like setup. Uh, you know, definitely not not a screen as big as a movie theater, but definitely no, it was like big. You know, screen. it was you know it was a, a projector and everything, and it was it was so that was a really fun weekend. What was the other movie we watched? We watched uh, two movies that night. I don't remember what the other one did. was. I think it was a horror. It was a horror, some horror film. Was it horror? Like, I'm trying to remember, but that was the day that, you know, we were going to go into the hot tub, but there were, uh, there was a doings in the hot tub. Let's just say there was a lot of carrots in that stew. <laughs> But, any, but anyways, uh, the room was amazing, and the the setup and everything was fantastic. But, uh, but yeah, that was that was really fun. So that was your first viewing, and mm -hmm. you got to see it in this really awesome setting. And what did you think? Oh, I I loved it. Like I thought it was great. Um, I mean, I did what I always do when I watch movies is I make comments and stuff. Oh, and, and your friends, your your fellow MS3 3K lover, uh, uh, Brandon, powerful Brandon was yes. there. Uh, with the tiny German, and uh, I did have that one, uh, that one comment that got everybody laughing when uh, Noxima's looking out through the blinds, looking out through you know at the town, and I was like, oh, that's what I call window shade, because she was secretly judging the entire town, like just staring out at them. The shade of it all. That was a, that, and that was funny. <laughs> like that was a funny, uh, a funny line. Uh, but yeah, I, going through some of my uh, research for this, um, I found out that a couple of uh, actors were either up for roles, like I said, or had auditioned. Um, we nearly had Viggo Mortensen as Vita Boheme, which I think would have been very interesting. Uh, what were you going to say? Oh, I was going to I was going to say, yeah, so... Early on in casting, Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo both immediately said yes, and they really wanted these parts. But the casting of Vita Boem, who is, um, the leader. Yeah, she. Well, she's definitely the leader of these queens, and she's. There's a lot of. Uh, there she's are a lot of characters. Queen. Yeah, she is. She is the queen of the queens. There are several characters who have, um, a story arc in this film so it's difficult to say that she is the main character but she is definitely uh, a character that gets a lot of screen time and she is uh, an important part of the story arcs of other characters so casting her was a little bit more difficult and uh, let's see, Robert Downey Jr., William Baldwin, Gary Oldman, Matthew Broderick, James Spader, John Cusack, Mel Gibson, Robert Sean Leonard, Willem Dafoe, John Turturro, Matt Dillon, Rob Lowe, Johnny Depp, Tom Cruise, and Robin Williams, who ended up having a kind of like a cameo-like role. role. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily, yeah, a bit role. More than a cameo, but he was an, a, a really prominent character. No, he was oh, But just... he was a fantastic character, oh, Mr. John Jacob Jingleheimer-Schmidt. His name is my name, too. Oh. Um, I Gary Oldman turned down the role because he had just finished being in a movie where he had heavy makeup applied and he did right, not he like it. Right, he had just done Dracula. Uh, yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. And he did not enjoy the experience of being heavily made up and then doing it again so soon. So he's like, nah. But I mean, this is another one of those films where it's like, 
I can't imagine anyone else. Like, we saw Johnny Depp do this role uh, in Pirates of the Caribbean five times. Well, it wasn't times. necessarily this role, but, but, well, I mean, he was this was, that wasn't this role. That was him playing what's-his-face. Keith Richards. Yes. Right, but I imagine he would have brought many of the similar uh, flamboyant mannerisms to this role as well. So... What happened during the audition process was Patrick Swayze showed up and did a 30-minute-ish monologue of his life growing up and how he was bullied constantly because he was a dancer. Patrick, so like, like Some people don't realize this, but Patrick Swayze is a tr- classically trained ballet dancer. I would so, never have known that from putting Baby in the corner. Well, I mean, but... You know, but he also takes on all of you know, like like Roadhouse, like you know, he he's also known for his very machismo guy roles, yeah. roles. Um, you know, and and yes, he dances in Dirty Dancing, but several people dance in Dirty Dancing who don't necessarily have that that background. But obviously, you know, you can tell he does because of of his uh, posture and positioning and whatnot. But anyways, uh, we're not talking about Dirty Dancing. We're talking about this movie. Um, but he he he, you know, led with that, and it really harkens to Vita's backstory. You know, there are some similarities there. Um, and he also hired his own makeup team to turn him into a woman and went for a walk around the city with the director to show that he could not only pass for a woman, but that he could walk like one and present like one. So and people wouldn't recognize that it was Patrick be- Swayze. Exactly. Well, you know, because he had the dancing background, he was very light on his feet. And apparently, you know, uh, in an interview, he said that he had been teaching women how to walk in heels for a long time you know as in ballet doing point and stuff like that constantly being on your toes but he himself had never worn heels especially for that extent of time so you know it was a it was a learning experience but he wanted this role so bad and i you know in in the interview that i was watching a couple of different interviews it was i believe it was um part of the the press junket that he was doing for Tu Wong Fu, the way that he spoke about this role, uh, the way that Vida almost became a part of him and who he drew inspiration from. So like his mother, his aunts, you know, the, the women he grew up with who were constantly in his life, but also like Holly Golightly from Breakfast at Tiffany's, uh, these other classic women who carry themselves in such a manner because, you know, Vita is very well put together and she is very well spoken. Now, and, and to be completely honest with you, Patrick Sweezy as a person was also very well spoken. Um, so obviously, you know, he threw a little bit of him, himself in there too, but... Uh, he was able to draw from all of these different inspirations and create this character that is just so iconic. And I really don't see anybody else playing that character. No, and it would be incredibly different. Like, same with, uh, you know, uh, Wesley Snipes as Noxima or uh, John Leguizamo as 
as uh, Chi-Chi. Um, one of my favorite things researching this, because the thing that kind of spurs uh, part of the, you know, the, the resolution of the film is when they're pulled over by Chris Penn's Sheriff Dollard. Not Dullard, it's a misprint. Um, and he slides his hand up Patrick Swayze's dress only to get a surprise. Now, his look of shock, Chris Penn's look of shock, was genuine because to prepare for that scene, Patrick Swayze put a corn cob in his pants or in, in down the front of his underwear. So Chris Penn doing his, you know, his best to, uh, you know, be as creepy as possible reaching for what he thought was simply Patrick Swayze's penis ended up with a handful of corn instead. And so he was genuinely shocked. <laughs> corn? I don't remember eating corn. Corn? I thought I was going to have a handful of dick. <laughs> but no, speaking of the other characters, you know, Noxzema Jackson, played by Wesley Snipes, um, this strong black woman you know uh physically and emotionally yeah uh wesley snipes was known for playing these really tough and gritty and you know muscular macho characters so this was definitely kind of like a a step in a really interesting direction for him and i feel like he out of all of them had the most to lose so to speak he really put a lot of himself on the line when taking this role because I mean, well and, and they all did but him especially as a black man in Hollywood yes especially because he was known for you know at the time I think you know white men can't jump passenger 57 those are all movies that came out around that time so he was oh, wasn't blade already out then too no blade came out in 99 oh okay um but Major League is mm -hmm. another one. Uh, so those are the movies that came out around this time. So, like, this was definitely a break in what he was used to. Um, Chichi Rodriguez, when I first heard that name, the first thing I thought of was the golfer. Uh, if you've ever seen him, uh, Chichi would, when he would sink a putt, he would, like, swing his putter around like he was slaying a dragon. Um, apparently... There was not a lawsuit, but a settlement that was reached between uh, Universal and him because he said that uh, being linked to a gay character who dresses in drag had harmed his reputation. It's like, that has nothing to do... This is a fictional human being who just happens to have the same name as you. Like, it has nothing... You know, if it was... Chichi Gonzalez or, you know, I don't know, Rosita Rodriguez, like, there wouldn't have been an issue. Like, I feel like they were just kind of going for, like, a, a solid Latin-sounding name. Well, Chichi is also the slang term for breast in Spanish. Yes. So I thought, I thought that was kind of funny. But um, it was, you know, it's a little... Uh, little upsetting. I want to know. I don't know because I didn't see this. Um, did you find who named these characters? 
No. Because I couldn't no, find I, it. No, I couldn't find any information on that. I think they were just uh, drag queen sounding names. Yes. Uh, to give you an idea of uh, if you are unfamiliar with drag, although we've talked about it many, many, many times, uh, some of the names of the actual drag queens who were a part of the drag community that were in this film. Coco Peru, Head of Lettuce. Head of Lettuce. Bunny. Okay. Candace Kane, Candy Kane, like head of lettuce, like what a great fucking name. Like I love that drag queen names are so very often puns. The best name in this film. Alaska Thunderfuck 5000 isn't in this film. Is in a cameo role shown briefly, slightly more than briefly, uh, but only for a few minutes. But boy, does she have some star power. It is RuPaul as Rachel Tensions. And is that, okay, I did not realize that in, was RuPaul's name. Now that makes sense, considering what she was wearing. RuPaul, 90s RuPaul. So back when RuPaul did her own hair and makeup, uh, back before contour was a thing, uh, RuPaul descending from the ceiling on this swing in this sparkly sequined confederate flag gown you know signature blonde bouffant uh coming down this this gorgeous blonde black goddess named rachel tensions like it's just like, it's that's just perfect. so poetic to me i love that so much and and whenever anybody's like oh the confederate flag i'm like there's only one time one time where the confederate flag is appropriate and it's in that scene because a black drag queen wearing a bedazzled confederate flag 90s dress is just so perfect so and I, speaks volumes I just learned right this second that that was RuPaul's name in this film because I never understood why RuPaul won, wore that dress. Yes, her name is Rachel Tensions. I didn't realize that. And like now that makes so much sense why she would wear that dress. Um, so the, the main crux of the story is they have this pageant and both Vita and Noxima win but Chi-Chi thought that she was going to win, and she's very upset. Why is this Latin boy in drag crying? Um, and they Noxie, decide... ask this little Latin boy in drag why he's crying. Crying. So they decide to take Chi-Chi under their wing. Uh, Noxima is not nearly well, as, as enthusiastic about this as But it's Vita because... Is. Vita has this thing about her, and you learn a little more about her backstory later on, but uh, Vita likes to be happy, and she likes everyone around her to be happy. She believes that everyone deserves happiness, mm -hmm. and she believes that good people especially deserve happiness. And she, once upon a time, took a young drag queen, mixed Noxima jo Jackson, under her wing... And turned her into the drag queen that we see in this film. Yes. And Vita believes in paying it forward. And Vita believes that it is her purpose to 
help people become the best possible versions of themselves. And so she wants to take Chi-Chi under her wing and do for Chi-Chi what she did for Noxzema. And she believes that Noxzema should also do the same, take Chi-Chi under her wing, because, you know, Vita did that for her. You know, they refer to, refer to themselves as Auntie Vita and Auntie Noxie. Um, mm -hmm. You know, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. And as they travel, you know, they're trying to impress upon Chi-Chi to be more than just a boy in a dress. Because right now she is not a drag queen. She is a drag princess and she'll take that. But uh, she's not she's not a drag queen. There are four, four steps, steps towards to queenliness. true queenliness. So you wanna you you wanna do step one? What's step one? Step one. God grant the serenity to accept being a boy in a dress. The courage to change with the fashions and the wisdom to know the difference. Step two, ignore adversity. Step three, generosity. Putting someone else's needs before your own. Abide by the rules of love. And four, larger than life is just the right size. That might be our, uh, I think that's the episode title. I think so too. Um, and they didn't lay these out in front of her oh no she had to learn them as she achieved them just like you just hit step kinda two kind of got the feeling that they were kind of pulling these steps out of their ass a little bit but uh when they found themselves in a teachable moment i think they had the two i think these were the steps that vita offered the steps to noxima Mm -hmm. And like that was like it, uh, something in between the two of them that they were bestowing and sharing with Chi Chi because they became very, very close as they uh, as as the story progressed. And, you know, they started off like not adversarial. No, no, adversarial, I think, is a good. Well, I mean, they were contestants in this pageant. They were, you know. No, I, uh, I, I meant like as they started traveling across the country, like they were adversarial. Well, I, I was going to say, like, yeah, they, you know, they were, they were against each other. They were, comp you know, um, competitors in this pageant. So they were, you know, learning that they need to work together because, and and ending up in Snydersville of all places this really white bread podunk town where they know right off the bat that they're not going to be welcome uh they realize that there is uh, power in numbers and there are three of them granted there are a whole lot more people in town but uh you know they're stronger if they work together and from that is where Chi-Chi learns how to be a full-fledged drag queen. Uh, and not only that, they were able to bring a lot of life into this drab town, uh, which is all Vita ever wants. You know, Vita just wants everything to be fabulous. Vita just wants everyone to be happy. And we learn on this road trip that they take, uh, they end up back in this town. I'm not even going to try to pronounce the name, so you're welcome. Uh, but they end up back in this town that Vita grew up in. And come to find out, it's money. It's Connecticut. It's like Greenwich, Connecticut. It, yeah. it, is, it is money. And uh, you know, they, I believe Chi Chi makes the comment like, oh, I didn't know you had money. And, she, and Vita says, I, I, I don't have money. My parents do. 
And, you know, when Vita realized early on that Vita was uh, happier being Vita, Vita as, as a woman than being Vita as a boy. Now, I'm going to sidestep here because drag is an art and drag is female impersonation. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that the person who is impersonating the woman actually wants to be a woman. They just feel comfortable expressing themselves, expressing their feminine side in that way. You know, mm-hmm. they also like taking everything off and being a boy, but they like having that option of expressing themselves in that way. And they feel like that makes them a complete person. So Vita as a boy was, you know, okay being a boy, but Vita being able to express herself and her femininity in that way, you know, and realizing who she was as a person and realizing that she is, you know, multiple genders in one. What does Nagzima say? A drag queen is someone who is, you know, so fabulous and so fashion forward that it is more than one gender. It has to encompass two genders. And, you know, I, I love that explanation. And we see that and we see who we can assume is Vita's mother step outside the door and make eye contact with Vita and Vita smiles and, 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 and waves and attempts to, to make some sort of, um, some sort of, of something, you know, she, she, yeah, some sort of connection. And, and her mother just turns away and runs back inside and slams the door and, and, and you see the effect that this has on, on poor Vita, you know, being shunned from her family for expressing her authentic self. Which is just awful. And that really explains why Vita is the way that she is. Why she wants everyone to live their most authentic lives and be their most authentic selves and, and be happy. And find joy in who they are. Mm-hmm. You know, so they end up in Snydersville and this whole thing just, you know, or unravels yet comes together. And they're able to bring this town together, bring color to this town, free these people from, you know, uh, the lives that they've been living. You know, you can find happiness, you can find joy, you can find peace, you can find yourself right where you are you don't have to settle for what you think you've been handed you can ask for more and that's what they teach these people and they learn more about themselves too they learn acceptance they learn that uh they become more secure with themselves you know nagzima who didn't want to be involved with any of this at all makes a friend yeah and learns to be more open-minded Chi Chi is probably the one who has the biggest transformation throughout the film because she goes from and it's it's interesting because I was watching uh, an interview with John Leguizamo and he loves this role. This was uh, an interview from the Shout Factory release that happened, I think, in 2019. Um, He was talking about Chi Chi and how he wanted to bring as much of himself to the role as he could and really honor the women he grew up with and if you notice early on he wears 
a foundation shade that is several shades lighter than his actual skin tone. And he said that was um, inspired by the women in his life who were of a darker Latina skin color and would almost try to whitewash themselves in order to fit in to be accepted so they would wear these foundation shades that were several shades lighter than their actual skin tone in order to appear lighter and obviously it's it's weird looking and it doesn't look correct and uh but John wanted to bring that to Chi Chi's role and they make fun of it too like oh you don't know how to pick out a foundation shade you don't know how to do your makeup you don't know how to do this and it's because you know it was an intentional choice exactly um and over time throughout the film she really embraces her uh latin heritage and she really like learns to be more comfortable with herself you know she's not trying to run off with some boy she's not trying to you know find love to make her happy i mean if she does that's okay but you know she really learns to love herself and that's why i think the ending of this film is so perfect because not only does chi chi rodriguez get crowned queen of the pageant by miss julie newmar Who herself showed up that one day and um, they put her in well, so she showed up to watch well, filming. So, well, because a they had to work with her to get the rights to use her name, mm-hmm. and so she wanted to show up and just watch filming for one day. And they're like, "Well, you're here. We should we should have you do something." So, you know, they were able to get her to be involved in the film and have her do the crowning and everything. And the, oh, it's just it's so it's so perfect. She's so statuesque. I dare you to describe I defy you. Yeah, I defy you to describe Miss Julie Newmar and not use the word statuesque. She's tall. Um there. She's perfection. But anyways, uh but but the big thing is you see Miss Chi-Chi, uh, no longer a drag princess, but a drag queen. And she's very regal presenting. And you could tell that she is so comfortable in herself. And her foundation shade matches her skin tone. Perfection. And it is just so good. It is so good. But I kind of got ahead of myself a little bit there. Mm-hmm. That's um, my fault. No, I mean it's 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 fine, but these characters are so I mean it's a 90 minute film, but there are so many things. There's so much growth that happens in these characters, not only within themselves, but uh within the people of the town, the acceptance that happens. You know, they are so terrified and, you know, rightfully so, and there are still places in and around the U.S., definitely around the world. I mean, there are places where homosexuality is still considered illegal and, you know, you can like in be imprisoned. And, well, I would say Russia comes to mind, but uh, there are still places where people um, are not welcome. And the fact that you had a white drag queen a black drag queen and uh you know latina drag queen just made the film so much more impactful because they really showed you all the different colors of the rainbow and it was just so brilliantly done you know 
they taught lessons without really beating you over the head with it. It was uh, almost like an es- uh, an episode of, of, of Sesame Street. You know, you don't realize you're learning something uh, until the end. And it's like, oh, I had a really good time and I learned something. My only gripe with this, and I think it's uh, it makes sense, though, um, the fact that they used a lot of the... Uh, The, the the fact that they were men in drag a couple of times you know like Wesley Snipes playing basketball against the women um like that I mean it wasn't overt but like they definitely used that a couple of times like but as a last resort almost you know what I mean like nobody was like oh I can't believe they did that because um you know, it just it totally took me out of the 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 character. Um, yeah, but, but, but her, but it was in that scene though. I mean, they they stopped at this hotel because they were in the middle of their road trip. They needed a place to sleep for the night. They were terrified to stop because they thought they were going to be clocked. And now that's a real thing. That's a real thing that happens. If you've watched the show Pose that was on for three seasons. Um, and won a few awards. Uh, they should have won more, but anyways, um, it involved a lot of trans people and drag queens and whatnot. And the big thing was that they didn't want to be clocked. You know, they were trying to pass as a woman or, or you know, pass as, as the gender that they were presenting as. And, you know, they were terrified of being clocked as the opposite gender because they knew they would be treated differently or worse, killed. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, which is why, like, seeing Noxima, like, just go out and utterly dominate, like, all of a sudden... I, I think that scene inspired Juana Man, to be honest with you, hundred uh, percent. But I mean, like it's it's so. Here's the thing. I mean, Wesley Snipes was in what White Men Can't Jump, mm-hmm. so I think it was a nod to to that and that whole scenario where uh, they went into this hotel and it was a very nice, you know, expensive, ritzy hotel. So they really didn't think that they were going to be welcomed. And this uh, concierge sees them and is like, "Oh, hey, you know." If I Welcome. If I had known you you were here, I would have met you outside, you know. Uh, And come to find out there is this women's basketball tournament happening in that area. And the the ladies were staying there. So they just assumed that these larger, more muscular women were part of this women's basketball team. And there was, you know, obviously a a few laughs and stuff like that. But, you know, in in reality, they were probably really relieved because they didn't have to worry about... Nobody, nobody clocked them. Nobody was like, "Hey, you're a man in a dress." Yeah, you know, and we're, when when you're trying to, but create... that's why I'm saying, like the the you know, her going out and like, like, oh, look how much better I am than everyone else. You know, well, what I mean, mean? Like, yeah, that, that was that was definitely you know probably a nod to Wesley Snipes. Yeah, being but in that like film. being worried, like, oh, I'm so worried that they're gonna find out I'm a man in drag, and then going out and doing that, like, seems completely like i get that it was 
like for a comedic purpose, but like you you totally undercut a very serious scene right before that. Um, but like, there's really no other scene. Like, I mean, sure, when she when Vita beats the shit out of Virgil, and it's like, oh, there's something you should know about Vita. She, she works, works out. out. <laughs> Like that, that made uh, like but, I that made sense. Like that wasn't she wasn't outing herself. No, but she does attempt to come clean at the end to Carol Ann, played by Stalker Channing. To Adam's um, apple. Yes, and and Carol Ann already knew, already knew, but but it didn't matter. She's like, I I don't see you. As a man, I see you as my friend. With an Adam's apple. You know, I, I see you as this, you know, person. I, I see you as a person. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's really all Vita ever wanted. You know, and I think that's... Isn't that all any of us ever really want? To just be loved and accepted for who we are? And, you know, something tells me that a lot of people in town knew who these ladies actually were. Uh, and they didn't care. Because these ladies took an actual interest in in the town and wanting to uh, help the ladies of the town express themselves differently. And the men. Yeah. I mean, because everybody really, it turned out everybody really liked them. And they had, like, their Spartacus moment. Their you know, Spartacus it, moment? Are you not familiar with Spartacus? No. Okay. So Spartacus, there's a movie. I forget. I think it's Kirk Douglas. Probably. Um, but they're looking for him because he's like this rebel, re- rebel leader that you know he's in- instigating this uprising, and so the the Roman soldiers show up and they're like, you know, you know, where's Spartacus? Give us Spartacus! And so Kirk Douglas stands up and says, "I'm Spartacus!" And then another guy stands up and says, "I'm Spartacus!" And then like okay, so everybody, I, I, I know. Okay, so I know about that. Like, that's essentially like, oh, I'm the drag queen. That's right. my shoe. Right, yes, yes, because the Chris Penn comes back, uh, Sheriff Dullard. That's a misprint. Uh, it's Dullard. Comes, oh, he's, he's dull, all right. Um, comes into town and realizes that the drag queens have to be in this town. Uh, and everyone stands up for them. You know, as a as an act of I'm a drag queen. That's my shoe. Give me back my shoe. As an act of love, you know, and and everyone, every person in that town, who these queens had some sort of impact on, stands up for them and comes forward and you know speaks on the on on their behalf. Mm -hmm. And it's more than these queens ever could have imagined. You know, they they spend their lives guarded yeah and to be able to be vulnerable with these people and to earn their trust and their adoration and their you know their their just their their love you know being able to to do that i think was more than really more than they had bargained for when they broke down in this town yeah, they, they I mean cuz the first thing they're trying to do is like escape but they used drag magic to make their room look so nice and I you know I'm not being facetious they literally used like magic and shit like John Leguizamo 
wiggled his nose like what's her face in Bewitched. Samantha in Bewitched. <laughs> and like covered up like they decorated the room because the first thing they're like, oh, can we have separate rooms? And, you know, like, can we have a bigger room? What did, what did Vita say? Could a room that's like less. Oh, she she made like some like really fucking catty comment. Something that's a little more inhabitable. Something like yeah. Um, yeah. It was. It was. Uh, but but that's the thing, you know. They all, like I said earlier, they all they all learned something, and you know, Vita learned not to judge people, not to um, be so quick to just assume. And same with Nagzima too. You know, she forms this really interesting friendship with this elderly woman who hadn't spoken in years they thought she her... was deaf yeah yeah they thought she was you know deaf and and mute and come to find out it's just nobody really took an interest in her and when she was sitting on that bench with miss nogzima and nogzima starts talking about miss dorothy dandridge mm-hmm. and you know it just it just it sparks something in her. Right. She has this love for, you know, she used Classic to... Film. Well, she film. used to own the theater. Her and her husband owned the theater. And then her husband ran off on her and she hadn't spoken since. Yep. Out of out of sadness. And this person coming in and taking a mutual interest in something just sparks something in her. And she wouldn't shut up for the rest of the film. No, no she, and, well, which well, is no, great. Like, she, yeah, she was constantly talking after that. The other, like, when they go into the like the secondhand store to like look at clothes, and Noxima loses her shit because it's all like this vintage '60s stuff, and like they all come out like wearing these amazing outfits. Mm. I love a montage, mm-hmm. especially like a, a funny dress-up montage. Like, that's even have to be funny. Live- for a dress-up montage. I love that so much. And that was their version of that, and it was fantastic. Yeah, I loved it. But it's it's all about, you know, living your true, authentic self and getting out of your comfort zone, being vulnerable, but putting yourself in a position that really tests you as a person for you to really see who you are. Yeah, and I thought that was such a great um a great scene great you know way to show them like like who these characters are and like what their impact on the town is because the the town had an impact on them and i think they had just as big of an impact on this town like you know uh being able to kind of <sighs> Listening to the stories about Princess Larissa. Yeah, and <laughs> going in and 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 like kind of helping them shed their misconceptions that they have about you know career girls and. I know what you are. You're a career girl. Like I really liked that. Like <laughs> I liked the fact that they're able to. Um, you know, it's it's sweet. There's a yes. sweet naivety to the film um, with these great stories, and this script. Oh, it's so 
funny. And that's the thing that pulled these actors in, especially, you know, Wesley Snipes and John Leguizamo, and especially Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze said it was the funniest script he'd ever read. And, yeah. he, and he had to, he's like, I had to do it. He's like, I had to be involved with this. You know, he didn't care what he had to do. Like, he, he needed to be in this film. And, you know, something that... uh was kind of controversial but one of the things that I, I i love about this is the fact that they cast three straight actors three straight men to play these roles to play these gay men dressed as drag queens who dressed as queens for the entirety of the film to the point where these uh actors burned their corsets and all their shapewear and everything after because i mean now here's the thing the average drag queen is only in drag for maybe four to six hours a night. They get in drag for their gig. They do their gig. They de-drag. Uh, doing this they film. Untuck. Yes, they, they untuck. See, I know the term. Doing this film, these actors had to be in drag for upwards of 12 hours a day. I will say uh, they're lucky they didn't have to tuck. Because you described to me what tucking Who's is. Who's to say they didn't tuck? Well, based on how they dressed, they didn't have to. Like, Vita Boheme was always wearing, like, long, flowy dresses. I'm just saying, who's to say they didn't tuck? I mean... You do I mean, Chi-Chi in those little shorty shorts. I mean, maybe Chi-Chi did, but, like, if you don't have to do that, I can't imagine a scenario when it was like, you know what? I don't have to tuck myself up into myself. But I'm gonna, like. But I think what it this film was really progressive, yes. in my opinion, uh, involving these actors known for these roles, um, and they really enjoyed playing these roles too, and you know, the accolades that they received. You know, it was it was uh, this film was. Uh, Oh God! What's the word that I'm looking for? Um, received. It was. It yeah. was received very well. I guess that, that's. I'll, I'll put it that way. Um, you know, and and a lot of people. Uh, I mean, granted, yes, it did receive uh, receive a lot of flack as well, and and some people were very judgmental for you know towards these men playing these roles. Like, how could how could Wesley Snipes do that? He's such a macho man. But but that's the point. That's the point. And it started a conversation, and it's a conversation that we are still having because we're not quite there yet. Um, the most recent season of Drag Race that's currently happening now has its first straight male drag queen on it. And this person is receiving a lot of... Uh, what, what's, what's the name? Maddie Morphosis. Maddie Morphosis. Maddie Morphosis is a 27-year-old male from, I think, Arkansas. Uh, he wears dad caps and, and kind of looks like, you know, I don't know, your brother, you know, but then he gets into drag and he does his own makeup and he gets into the shapewear and he tucks and he gets into his costumes. And I think he brings a much needed perspective to the world of drag. 
He said in an episode of Untucked, which is kind of like the behind the scenes episode, so that that air where you kind of get a little more of the drama behind the scenes. Uh, he said in an episode of Untucked that um, we're taught that there's there are so many different ways to be gay. There are so many different ways to live outside of the binary, but there's only one way to be straight. And he disagrees with that. And that's why he's doing what he does because he loves it. You know, when asked what got you into drag, he was like, well, I grew up with films like Tu Wong Fu. And mm-hmm. I've always had a slightly more feminine side, but, you know, I don't identify as female. You know, he's like, I'm definitely male. I definitely like women. You know, I'm definitely straight. But, uh, you know, there's always been a part of me that's been a little softer and transforming into metamorphosis helps him really embrace that softer side. Uh, you know, Another the, the softer name, side, the, the softer side of Sears, so to speak. But um, and it kind of contributes to this conversation that we're currently having about straight men, femininity and mental health. And just the other day, I saw a post from a friend of ours almost calling out, I'll say calling out the bias against men and mental health, how it's perceived as weak and how it's, uh, how there's still this, you know, stigma. Yeah, there's this stigma. I mean, there's still this stigma around mental health, period. But there's definitely this stigma around men and mental health and men showing any sign of of weakness or vulnerability. Like there were several of those. that I I know which one you're talking about, and I don't want to call out the the person. No, no, no. It's, 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 you know. But there were a couple other posts that I saw similar. It's like. You know, something like I'm having a mental breakdown. I'm not doing really well, but nobody gives a shit because I'm not a girl. Um, another one of, you know, people talk about, you know, wanting to do more for men's mental health. But, you know, when Will Smith broke down about this, you know, he was turned into a meme when, you know, this guy broke down about this. You know, he was turned into like all these different men who had very public breakdowns about certain things that were devastating life, uh, life altering changes to them. Uh, people turn them into memes. And it's like you say you want to do something about men's mental health, but you just make fun of everybody who has any type of mental health issue. Well, not only that, you make fun of any t- uh, any 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 man, any straight man. Uh, who shows any sign of weakness, you know, any, any time a, a man is vulnerable, any time, a, 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 you know, I'm going to use Patrick for an example. Mm-hmm. Mr. Patsy, the angry nerd, um, when he turned, I, I want to say it started a little bit before you turned 40. Mm-hmm. You're kind of going through this, I'm calling it your second act. Yeah. Um, you're experimenting more in fashion you're taking risks you're deciding hey i like this i want to wear this i Mm -hmm. want to do that i don't care if i'm perceived in such a way uh because i i want to wear this and it's going to make me happy i want to do this and it's going to make me happy you know i want to experiment with this and 
I think that is so fantastic. Well, it helps when you have a partner who is uh, very open and, you know, supportive and encourages you in, you know, trying new things and, and trying to better yourself. Um, I think that's a huge part of it, you know. you know. But what I'm trying to say is we really need to get rid of that stigma to begin with. I have this theory that we're all a little bit queer. Some are more queer than others, but I don't f- believe that straight exists. I really don't. Because I, th- I feel like at the end of the day, there's someone, there's always someone, you know, you would go gay for. And maybe it's not a physical attraction. Maybe it's a mental attraction. Because that does exist. Mm-hmm. But that that's that's my personal theory. You know, you can disagree, obviously. But um, I, I, I think that it is so important for people to be comfortable with themselves and find what makes them happy and be able to express themselves in a way that they're not ridiculed for it, regardless of gender. I really long for the time where gender no longer exists. You know, I I feel like so many of us live outside of that binary. You know, some of us are, are, you know, just kind of slightly outside of the fray. But uh, but still, you know, it, it counts for, for something. And I think that we need to have more of these conversations where, you know, people who aren't happy, why aren't you happy? Do you feel confined? Do you feel restricted? Do you feel like you need to fit into these gender norms that are bullshit? Do you feel like you can't express yourself the way that you feel like you want to? You know, do you feel that you aren't allowed to have feelings because it makes you weaker? You know, do you feel that you can't be the person that you want to be because society won't let you? Yeah, I mean, that's that's one of those situations where, you know, there's who you are and what you want to be but you can't necessarily express yourself the way you would like because you're, you know, you live in an area that may not be as progressive and open-minded or or maybe it's your family. Maybe you don't want to upset your parents. You know, maybe maybe you're trying to live up to other people's expectations of you versus, you know, shedding those expectations and living up to your own expectations and your own abilities. Right. I think that's a big thing. A big thing is, you know, other people's projections on us and other people's expectations of us and those things not aligning with who we actually are. And that's one of the reasons why I love this movie so much is because of these three actors embracing these characters so much. I mean, Patrick Swayze, before he died, was still singing the praises of Miss Vita Boheme, you know, saying that it was one of his, you know, kind of like shining moments and how much he enjoyed playing her. You know, John Leguizamo for the... Um, Shout Factory uh, release of the film a few years ago, you know, still like beaming, beaming, talking about this character saying, no, 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 you don't understand. I had to play this character. 
I had to bring this character to life. Nobody else could have done this. You know, having these these strong men embrace these these characters, these feminine, vulnerable characters. You know, I, I think it's it's so important. And this happened back in '95. You know, and 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 it's 2022 and we're still having this conversation you know we've progressed slightly but we're definitely not there yet and until we get to a point where you know people are free to be themselves and free to speak their minds and free to be vulnerable and let people know like hey i'm not okay i'm not doing well you know, we need to continue to have these conversations because you should feel free to be who you are and not try to put yourself in a box. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that's a, a probably a good spot to wrap this up. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a new battle for you and uh, we'll wrap things up. And a new, oh, and a new fabulous wine to talk about. Excellent. So fabulous. we'll be right back. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd who's named Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Virgil, I gather you like hitting ladies. Uh, some ladies need to get hit. Uh-huh. Then, conversely, some men need to be hit back. Oh! Oh! Oh, God. Oh, God. oh, God. oh, God. oh God. I know. Auntie Virgil's gonna hurt me. It's so bad. This is... Caroline, there's something you should know about Vita, Mommy. Well... Vita works out. Vita works out. Yeah. A lot. And we are back. I hope you enjoyed that uh, that conversation about uh, the the characters from Tuang Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar, because uh, we had a good time doing it. Like. You know the opening, uh, the opening segment, getting into character. That was a fun segment, and talking about these characters was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And getting to rewatch the film again was a lot of fun. Like you had started it, but I had gotten out of, uh, off off. Uh, we wrapped early, so I was able to get home at a decent time. So, yeah, um, I hope you guys enjoyed that as much as we did. Uh, so we've got a, a few things to cover before we... Uh, well, we have a new battle to throw down. And when we have a new battle... We have to play the battle theme. It's time for a battle! 
So today we are throwing down Don't Be a Drag, Just Be a Queen, which dragged out diva or divas has what it takes to bring it to the runway, strut it up the catwalk, and give their competitors a fashion thrashing. You can choose from Miss Vita Boem, Miss Nogzima Jackson, and Miss Chichi Rodriguez from Tu Wong Fu, Miss Starina from The Birdcage, Mrs. Doubtfire, because, you know, the, the, from the movie of the same name, uh, and Miss Dorothy Michaels, that is Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. Mm-hmm. Michael Dorsey. Yes. Yes. Um, this is one that we were we were talking about on the way into the lab the other day. And I just all I knew is like I was like, this was just a, a, a bare bones of an idea. And you you finalized it and made it great. But I was like, just, I don't you care. You just gave me the word. You're just like fashion thrashing. I'm like, it, it, has, has, to, it has to have the term <laughs> fashion thrashing. Like that's all that that's all that matters. So it's it's basically a drag off. So if we're going to do that, we guest referee has to be RuPaul. Oh, yes. Guest judge, RuPaul, Michelle Visage. Um, who's the, oh, the, the one dude? Ross Matthews. Ross Matthews. I was going to call him Roy. Carson Kressley. No. Philip Frond. Philip Frond. <laughs> if you get that reference and why it's a fashion thrashing, that's, that's, you're awesome. Um, so yeah, I already, uh, I have no idea who I'm going to pick, but, uh, this is going to be a good one this week. Uh, and you have a, a, a fancy wine you want to talk about. Oh, I have a very fancy, fabulous wine is I want to talk about. Is it Um, well, no, not quite jammy, but it is oh, sparkling and pretty fabulous. Uh, so what turned me on to this wine is the bottle. I know you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover, um, but it is perfectly okay to judge a wine by its label. And this bottle, let me tell you, I saw a picture of it, a promotional picture from, I believe it was Total Wines. I follow them on, I follow a lot of wine-ish things on Facebook. Believe it or not, and it was shocking, I know, um... And I saw this picture and I was like, oh my God, I need, even if the wine sucks, I need that bottle. This bottle is me in wine form. It is a black bottle and it has a pink glitter all over it. The label is a pink foil label. It is gorgeous. It is very sophisticated and fun looking and oh my God, is it gorgeous. But anyways, I mean, just like yours truly but uh but the wine the wine so i was a little nervous about popping it open um i paid 25.99 which isn't a terrible price point it is a prosecco it's from france but because it's french well it's from france it's from france but because it's not made in the champagne region of france it is considered a Prosecco. Now, this specific Prosecco is a Rosé Prosecco, which is nice. Uh, can give you a little bit of um, different tasting notes than a normal Prosecco. So I picked it up and chilled it and tried it. And oh my, I may have found my favorite sparkling wine that is not champagne. Because let's face it, champagne is just 
perfection. Uh, a little Moet and Shandon, like, yes, please. But uh, anyways, this is Borassa's uh, premium cuvee rosé. It is, uh, the notes underneath say, mesmerizing pink for your celebrations. Same. Uh, tasting notes, premium grape selections from top vineyards across France produces an exotic rich pink color. This wine showcases mesmerizing raspberry and red plum aromas progressing, progressing to plush strawberry compote and fresh ripe blackberry flavors that remain lively and persistent. Uh, it is very fruity, very dry. But here's the thing. It's very fruity, but it's not overly fruit forward. Uh, it is very dry because it is a Prosecco. It definitely still behaves as a Prosecco. So it's nice, but it has a little bit more of a sweetness to it than your average Prosecco. Definitely not as sweet as, say, like a pink Moscato or some uh, or, or like a Moscato or um, any other like sparkling wines and as far as that goes but um it's good it's really good lightly sweet obviously pairs really well with desserts definitely i uh, i didn't get so much of the blackberry flavor it's definitely lighter and more um like red berried maybe even like a you know reddish pink berry flavor so uh you definitely get the strawberry you definitely get um you definitely get the raspberry it is really delightful it's this gorgeous light pink color which just perfectly complements the gorgeousness of the bottle it's fantastic if you're looking for something a little bit different you know uh winter is still here but spring is coming i can see myself drinking a lot of this come spring i can see myself drinking a lot of this period end of story but uh, yeah, if, if you want something a little bit different, something potentially a little lighter, um, you know, rosé is always good for that anyways. I, I love it as a seasonal transition wine from, you know, the dark, deep reds of the winter to uh, not quite the whites of summer. You know, that rosé is really perfect for uh, for spring. But this is just, it is so nice and it's bubbly and it makes you feel good when you drink it. And I loved it. I can't, I really can't recommend it enough. If you follow me on social medias, um, I actually did a photo shoot with this bottle uh, because the bottle is so gorgeous. So definitely if you're interested in seeing what the bottle looks like, you can follow me um, if we're friends on Facebook or I'll be posting it in the different pages. Or you can follow me at uh, Von Nightmare Vineyards on Instagram and you can find it there uh, with some more information about the wine itself and yeah like I, I, I really cannot recommend this wine enough I was very very pleasantly surprised because I can't tell you how many times I've purchased a wine based on like oh I like the way the bottle looks I like the way the label is I you know it's very aesthetically pleasing um hopefully it tastes good and it's fallen a little short like the Halloween Prosecco that I got a couple of years ago yeah the bottle is still sitting in my kitchen it's super cute but the uh the wine itself was kind of a letdown yeah, it wasn't um, the best. But yeah, but this this definitely was not. So if you're looking for something a little light and a little different, Barassa Premium Cuvée Rosé, it's perfect. Yeah. Um, it was really good. I liked it too. Um, but, you know, pink and sparkly, like that just, you know, that's just something that, you know, 
belongs in our house. So, but uh, yeah, we've got some great stuff coming up for you in the coming weeks. We've got uh, probably less uh, cat-filled episodes, but uh, we'll see what happens with that. She's just very chatty. She's like, hey, I hear that you're recording. I have a lot to say. Yeah. Uh, Don't forget, we've also brought the sports show back. We're going to be doing that every other week and uh, ish, probably, but... Yeah, every other week. Yeah, well, you gave me a look, and I was like, ooh. Well, I wasn't looking at you. I have a... I'm more focused on the cat that's behind me Massaging right now. Massaging your back with her claws. Yes. Um, but yeah, we've got a bunch of stuff coming up. Um, you know, a lot of characters, you know, especially with things that are going to be dropping soon. You know, we haven't done a, 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 a character review of any Jurassic Park folks, so we should probably do that at some point, especially with the new movie coming out. But uh, I think with that being said, we We will will see you next Thursday. Thursday.